It's really hard to believe that it's the middle of August already. The days are getting shorter, and you know what I mean. There's just less daylight every day. Still plenty hot, but soon the 90s will be less frequent, and the mornings will start in the 60s instead of the upper 70s and low 80s. Stores are already getting their Halloween stuff out, Thanksgiving stuff, it won't be long. And yep, Christmas stuff will be out too. Some people will be going crazy for pumpkin. And let me tell you, it's already hard to find it in the stores. We looked at two different Walmarts. They had this big empty section where the canned pumpkin was supposed to be. <coughs> so... We need to be finding some someplace where all the pumpkin stuff we'll be making ourselves. Cookies and um, Diane makes this pumpkin, like a sheet cake, I guess it is. But you can get pumpkin coffee. You can get pumpkin cereal. I think they had pumpkin Cheerios last year. Pumpkin cookies, they're really good. Pumpkin pies are great. But you name it, and they will put pumpkin in it. It doesn't make any difference. A good friend of mine growing up, his birthday was in November. He never had birthday cake. He always wanted pumpkin pie instead of birthday cake for his birthday. Well, I look forward to fall, especially being here where the summers are in the mid to upper 90s just about every day for week after week. And so, you know, the, the cooler temperatures of fall, you know, I just don't like what comes after that, okay? I like the, the cooler temperatures, the, the homemade bread and rolls, chili and soup, you know, watching football, preseason football started this weekend. Uh, turning off the air conditioner, I like that. It saves on the electric bill. But one thing that I've learned about the calendar is there's nothing you can do about it. You know, time just keeps on marching on, ready or not. And maybe that's the thing. I just don't seem to feel ready for the next thing, whatever that is, whether it's good or bad. It just kind of seems to sneak up on me, and I'm not ready. Kind of like when Jesus said, Hey, I'm coming back. You all better be ready because nobody knows when that's going to happen. So we need to be ready. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks that there's only one way for us to be ready for when your son comes back, and that's to know him as our Lord and Savior. And so, Father, help us to be ready in that way. But Lord, help us to be ready for whatever each day brings us. Lord, we know that you're with us. We know that uh, you never leave us. And no matter what situation is happening in our lives, that you're there. And so, Father, we praise you for that. Uh, nothing catches you off guard. And, Lord, you, you set the, the days and the, the seasons and all. And I just thank you for that. Uh, the way you just timed everything out the way you wanted it to be. Lord, help us to, at least help me to complain a little bit less 
and to praise you a little bit more for that. So, Father, as we look at your word, Father, help us to see the message that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to look at a fairly familiar passage. Uh, I know I've used it before. I think not too long ago, I kind of used the verses before and after it. Um, but I want to take a closer look at kind of the whole situation. And I'm, I'm going to be sticking with the NIV Bible, I think, for pretty much the, the whole message. But I'm going to use all three of the gospel writers' accounts of what happened. Uh, taking a little bit from each, is uh, more from Luke than anything else, but the others as well. So in this passage, Jesus had been approached by Jairus. He was the, the local synagogue leader, and his 12-year-old daughter is dying. Uh, at least according to Mark and Luke, Matthew says that she was already dead uh, when he got there, but Mark and Luke have a, a different take on it. So Jesus is starting out to this man's house and going along when this happens. This is Luke chapter 8, verses 42 to 48. It says, As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind Jesus and touched the edge of his cloak and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, people are crowding around and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told him why she had touched him and how she had instantly been healed. Then Jesus said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Well, first I want to say something about Peter here. Okay, in verse 45, it says, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. I think knowing Peter would be more like, really, Jesus? I mean, there's like hundreds of people here pushing and shoving, and you want to know who touched you, which specific person out of all these people you want to know who touched you? Well, there's three main people in this passage. Jesus, the healer, provider, the teacher, the prophet. Uh, Luke tells us in chapter 7 he had already raised the widow's son from the dead. So, you know, he's been seen to, to do all of these things. Now, he's not known as the Messiah or the Savior at this time because uh, it just hasn't happened yet. And then we have Jairus. Scripture tells us that he was a synagogue leader or the, the ruler or the director. He was the, he was the big kahuna at the synagogue. He was the one in charge of all that went on at the synagogue. And so he was really probably aware of the things that Jesus was capable of. That's why he went to him to see if Jesus could come and to heal his daughter. Then we have the woman. Now in Mark, 
chapter 5, verses 25 and 26, it says, A woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet, instead of getting better, she grew worse. So this woman had suffered a lot over the 12 years. She'd been suffering, you know, physically. And, you know, the problem that she had, the bleeding problem, you know, brought shame on her. She wasn't able to enter the temple because she was considered unclean. And she'd been scammed by doctors. Uh, she was probably in pain. I was probably weak from the constant bleeding. She, you know, she was now poor. You know, maybe she was divorced uh, because of this bleeding problem. You know, it says nothing about that, but you know, the good chance that if she had been married when this problem started, that the husband said, yeah, I don't know. I think I'm out of here. So all of this on top of the fact that she was a woman and that she was seen as a, a lesser person because she was a woman. So now let's go back to what happened with Jesus and the woman. Okay, Matthew and Mark give a little more detail than Luke's gospel. And this is, so they're, they're both quoting the woman where she said, if I just touched his clothes, I would be healed. She wasn't looking for Jesus to lay hands on her. She wasn't expecting him to anoint her in any way. But at that moment, anyway, she was 100% confident in who Jesus was. Maybe she had seen Jesus heal. You know, maybe she had, had seen him heal the lepers or restore sight to the blind or you know, touch the paralyzed man that, you know, could not walk. Maybe she had, maybe she even knew Peter's mother-in-law and had heard that she was healed. She knew that she didn't even have to, to bother Jesus or have Jesus stop for her or even look at her. She felt that if she just touched his clothes, you know what that is? That is unbelievable faith that that woman had at that time. Now, if you were suffering from cancer or heart problems or kidney problems or whatever it might be, and somebody said, you know, that doctor over there, Dr. Smith, you know, all you have to do is go and just touch the, the jacket that he has on and you'd be healed you'd probably say, eh, I don't know about that. And that doesn't really sound like something that would happen. You'd probably be more than a little skeptical. But what if those clothes that that doctor had were on Jesus? Then you'd be healed. So now we have this woman. She is elated because she was whole for the first time in 12 years. We don't know that anybody was with her. You know, and 
probably not considering her situation. People didn't want to be around her because she was unclean. And so here she stands feeling like a new person and nobody to share it with. And then she hears Jesus. Who touched me? The woman goes from the mountaintop of being healed straight down into the valley of, huh, what should I do? Am I in trouble? Man, I need, I need to get, get out of here. You know, but there's all these people crowding around and I can't get out. And so this woman was gripped with a new fear. And then Jesus speaks again. Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out for me. Well, there's too many people around for her to escape. And people are just kind of looking, you know, well, I don't know who touched Jesus. The disciples are looking, you know, I don't know how we can find this person. They're looking for somebody, but they don't know who they're looking for. Well, in Luke eight forty seven, the woman makes a decision. Because it says, then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. She had no idea what would happen next. Was she going to be in trouble? Was she going to get arrested? Was she going to get beaten or stoned or treated unkindly still or again? So she came trembling, prepared for the worst. Well, verse 47 goes on because it says, in the presence of all the people, she told why she touched him and how she had been instantly healed. I imagine that there was at least some people there that knew this woman or at least knew of her because they'd kept their distance from her for years. Ah, uh, they that's just Blanche, or whatever the woman's name was. You know, don't worry about her. You know, or it's, get back, it's that woman. You know, keep your distance from me, woman. Hey, don't let her go near Jesus again. Keep her back. I can see Jesus looking at the people, unhappy at how the woman was being treated. And then he looks down at the woman. Trembling at his feet. Maybe offering a hand to help her up. Certainly seeing something different than anybody else there was seeing. But Jesus didn't respond the same way the onlookers did. Because Jesus spoke one more time. He said, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Your faith has healed you. Not, you know, well, it's a good thing I came along so you could touch my clothes or it wasn't I have healed you. No, it's your faith has healed you. And even more, he said, go in peace. This woman hadn't had peace for 12 years, wondering what's wrong with her. 
and why these doctors couldn't heal her and you know why people that were her friends no longer wanted anything to do with her and why her family is treats her as an outcast and all and so Jesus is saying go in peace now you're healed now go in peace the woman had faith faith in what or faith in who well for 12 years all of her faith had, had been in her mind, trying to get healed, paying doctor after doctor. She certainly didn't have faith in doctors after you know, being mistreated or misdiagnosed or whatever. So over the years, her faith man, had to be in really rough shape because she'd put her faith in those doctors. You know, probably somebody said, well, you know, my sister-in-law, she went to this doctor and this happened. Or, you know, my mother, she went to that doctor and she liked that doctor. And so she's going from one to the next and probably thinking, maybe, maybe this time, maybe this time I'll be healed. And it had been 12 long years since she'd been allowed into the temple. So... How strong was her faith in God? How many hundreds or thousands of times had she prayed about her problem and no answer and no healing, no stopping of the bleeding, and now no money, maybe no family or friends until until Jesus was coming. He'd been there before, and he'd healed many. So she's got to be thinking, can he heal me? I know he touched the lepers, but would he want to touch me? I'm sure he wouldn't want to touch me. Maybe I can touch him. Just touch his clothes. Just be that close to him. Maybe it'll work. I've got nothing to lose. The woman may have been looking at Jesus as her last hope, as her only hope. That sounds familiar. Don't we sometimes go to Jesus after we've tried everything else? You know, people say you need to do this or you need to not do that. You need to go here. You need to talk to this person. You need to take this drug, whatever it might be. And then finally you say, uh, all I can do is pray. When the problem started, it should have been, I need to pray about this and see what the Lord wants me to do. I think most of us have been there. So now, this woman's life has just taken a 180. Now... She can live again, maybe regain some of what she's lost in the last 12 years. You know, I don't know what her source of income was. Maybe she had been a beggar. Maybe, you know, she uh, made clothing or whatever. Um, but maybe somehow she'd be able to, to regain some of that money that she had lost. 
maybe family and friends, friends, right, would be back. And now, now she'd be able to go into the temple. Now she'd be able to worship as she had wanted to. Well, there's two things I want to really look at from the passage. In verse 46, Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Nowhere else except in this passage does Jesus say this. Now in Luke 6.19, it says, The people all tried to touch him because the power was coming from him and healing them all. <coughs> Excuse me. But Jesus didn't mention it. Only this one time. So, are we to assume that Jesus had this feeling of loss of power each time that he healed someone or with any other miracle? You know, with the feeding of the, the thousands, did power come out of him for that time? That's one of those things we're going to have to ask Jesus someday. The second thing in the passage that I find interesting, why did Jesus stop when this happened? Why was it so important to him to engage in, in this healing and want to know who had touched him? Why was that so important? Now, there's maybe other people that were healed along the way. We don't know. But what was it about this woman that made him stop? Like I said, in 12 years, she'd lost blood, obviously, money, dignity, maybe her faith. So maybe it was more important to Jesus to restore her faith than her body. Jesus told her that it was her faith. He said, daughter, your faith has healed you. So until now, your faith had been every place else. But that day, she had mustered up her faith and put it where it belonged. Again, that may sound familiar. At least it does to me. Trying in my own puny power until I turn to Jesus. But I... We need to remember something. We may or may not be healed. Well, does that mean I don't have enough faith? In a word, no. Because sometimes people with very little faith get healed. And some people with great faith are not healed. Why? Why is that? My best answer I don't know, but I do know that God is there in that situation, whether the healing comes or whether it doesn't, and he's going to be glorified either way. The woman in the passage may have had opportunities before to see Jesus, okay, because this is thought to have been in Capernaum, and he'd been there different times, but it wasn't her time. It wasn't her time to have the faith to go to the Lord. You know, maybe she had just been given some new diagnosis 
and was trying a new medication or something. And so she thought, well, maybe this will work. I'm not going to bother Jesus, so I'll wait and see if this works. The timing has to be God's because he's always in control. There's a song that I've always liked that speaks to this woman's need. The song's really more about salvation, but that's a healing too, isn't it? But I think that this song really kind of fits this woman and the need that she has. It's a, it's a good old Gaither song. Shackled by a heavy burden, neath a load of guilt and shame, then the hand of Jesus touched me, and now I'm no longer the same. He touched me, oh, he touched me, and oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened, and now I know he touched me and made me whole. Since I met this blessed Savior, since he cleansed and made me whole, I will never cease to praise him. I'll shout it while eternity rolls. He touched me. Oh, he touched me. And oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened. And now I know he touched me and made me whole. Jesus, as far as we know, never touched this woman. He didn't need to. She just needed to touch his garment and she was healed because of the faith that she had in the healer. Her faith wasn't in the healing, it was in the healer. Let's pray. Father, I just give you thanks and praise for your word and how it speaks to us. And Lord, those of us that know you and love you, you know, this may be a familiar story to us. And so hopefully, Lord, you've jarred something in others like you did me to see something new, something different that just didn't really catch before until today. So, Father, I just pray for those that maybe need to turn to you now and not wait as a last resort like we can often do, but to realize that now is the time. Now is when we need to come to you and to have the faith that you will meet the needs that we have. And Lord, I listen or I lift up anyone that may be listening that, that doesn't know you, that has stumbled on this podcast. And Lord, maybe they have a need that's been unmet in so many different ways. And the greatest need that they have is to know you. That's the healing that they need. Healing not in their body, but the healing in their spirit. And so, Father, help them to know that they need to pray a prayer kind of like this as they turn their life over to you. Dear Heavenly Father, I know I'm a sinner. I know I need a Savior. The only Savior there is, is your Son, Jesus, who died on the cross for my sins. And in three days, he rose from the dead. Father, I know that you love me and that you sent your son to do this for me, that my sins aren't too great, I'm not too good of a person, that you will reach out to me and bring that spiritual healing that I need. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen.